morning grinders welcome to the dfs pregame show here on roto grinders i'm jordan cooper aka blender ed blender hd you're gonna follow me there on twitter and it's friday it's casual friday we'll be reviewing uh yesterday's uh nba slate a little bit uh uh, I don't know if we'll talk that much about today's slate. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. We got a whole bunch of trades going on, right? Harden, Harden, Simmons. That big trade happened yesterday. So uh, it didn't really, uh, did, it didn't even affect yesterday's slate. I mean, I guess, the, you know, the, the Nets, Irving, I guess, whatever. You could have played some of them. Blake, Blake did pretty well, right? Uh, and uh, we'll touch on some MMA for the, the UFC pay-per-view tomorrow and and i want i wanted to show you exactly exactly how i build lineups for mma and like that that the the hack that i make on how to build proper leverage into your lineups how to build more unique lineups which i i hope uh that you don't copy because then hopefully uh that'll be less unique lineups for me to make in these large field contests but uh, that the purpose of this show is to help you answer your dfs strategy questions make you a better DFS player uh, and uh, smash those thumbs up buttons. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Feel free to chime in there, right? You got any questions? Feel free. Infamous Tuck, Jupacalypse, Piercy. Piercy, you're, I see you in the in the, uh, the Road of Riders Discord. You're new here in the morning. Grant Brown, Kickstart, Johnny Ortiz, Kick Cloud Kicker. Give me those thummy thumbs. First thing in the door, hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Uh, on this channel uh yesterday i mean it was it was a wizard slate yesterday right like how many wizards do you play and kuzma didn't all, look all that great in the first quarter but he got there 48 points uh brian got there for almost 10x uh i mean even hachimura got i mean all i mean the wizards pretty much got there right for the most part but hachimura got almost 10x uh denny you know respectable Kiss, I mean, Kissford, I mean, yeah, yeah, 18 for 3,000 is pretty good, but not when some other guys like KCP, 26. So, like, you know, I was I was playing three Wizards in every lineup that I was playing, uh, just a matter of the combinations of them, because uh, everyone else was at. I mean, like, this traded Dinwiddie, Holiday, I mean, old Bertans, uh, Gafford didn't even get back into the rotation or anything like that, so really they ran with, they ran with, like, what, with Anthony Gill, Played a little bit more than I than I expected, but uh, it's hard at these prices. Outside of Kyle Kuzma, who is seventy four hundred, like one of these three K guys is going to get there, right? Especially someone like Nito, who's going to play like thirty plus minutes as point guard, like thirty one hundred. Like how? Do, I mean, I just I just jam these guys, right? I didn't jam Kuzma. Like I had like like forty percent. Ooh, but I mean, he he only came in at forty six percent. I thought the Wizards came in and un, were under owned. At this ownership, I expected them to be a little higher. I had Nito at like 70% and still under-owned. I had Kuzma at like 58% and slightly over-owned. I had Bryant at like 40% and slightly over-owned. I had KCP at like 50% and under-owned. Kispert at like 30% and about efficiently owned. Denny, uh, Came in way under. I I had him at, I thought he would come in at like almost 40%. And I had him, I had him over-owned at 40%, and he ended up coming in at 17. And Hachimura, I had about efficiently owned around 18%. So so I got a ton, I got a ton of these guys, right? 
And then, then it's just a matter of, you know, just building the studs around them. My top stud was Luca. Luca crushed. He had, well, he had 28 points in the first quarter. 28 real points, right? Seven three-pointers or whatever, right? But just around, like, I, it, was, it was one of those days where I had a bunch of, bunch of competitive lineups with just a landmine, right? You know, it's a great lineup. And then, like, uh, to Siakam, right? Only putting up 39, right? I, I Gary Trent is over-owned at 26%, but I still had plenty of them. Uh, a lot of people went to Kelly Olynyk. I was over on Kelly Olynyk. Uh, I thought he would be about like 22% owned and slightly under-owned. He actually came in at 18. I mean, he only got 20, 3,700, 20 for 3,700 normally would be pretty damn good, but not in a slate where there's, there's so much other value here. Played a bunch of Booker Giannis combinations. That didn't, that didn't work out. I played a bunch of Chris Paul because anytime, anytime that Booker is way chalkier than Paul, I tend to play more Paul because there's no reason why, why one should be that dramatically higher on than the other. I look down, right? I played a bunch of the Raptors, but a lot of the, the Raptors didn't get there other than Gary Trent, right? So I was mixing in one, two Raptors because Fred Van Vliet was out. And, you know, they run a very tight rotation and these guys could play 40 plus minutes. Uh, and uh, it didn't work out because Gary Trent just stole everyone's points. Right. So I had a, I had some OG. I had some Barnes. I had some uh, Chris Boucher lineups and uh, that didn't really work out. Randall did well. 61. I, only, I barely had him. Right. So we could look through here and just see the difference between field exposure versus top one percent lineups. Right. Giannis didn't appear in anything. Right. Because, I mean, he busted. I mean, the, the Suns just ran away with that game. Anything else that's interesting here? He says Sengun came in way high, even though he wasn't starting. But I died to do some elite swaps out of that. We go to compare exposures. Right, we could see here. I mean, this is the this is what you see in NBA, like like every day. Like Neto, fifty eight percent in the field, and I have a whole range of very sharp DFS players, NBA DFS players. 89, 75, 85, 99, 83, 72, 52, 73, 87, 98, 64, 40. I mean, like, why weren't you playing him? He, he was played like his salary adjusted plus minus was like nine. And he's only 3,100, which makes him even more valuable. Kyle Kuzma, most of the field over, right? Other than maybe E. Hafter, a Hubro. JBC, but 40, 41, 65, 53, 44, right? Same thing for Thomas Bryan. Thomas Bryan, 79, 60, 50, 96, 61, 50, 68, right? And then once you get down to KCP, KCP still, some people went a little bit under, but still 44, 66, 53, 50, 44, 42, 58. And then you just surround them with the, you know, just, mid to high range options. Siakam, Luca, Booker, Giannis. Those are the, those are the popular choices. Irving. Then you get down to like, then you get down to like Chris Paul, John Morant. I was over on John Morant. Kevin Porter. I had some of Hamadou Diallo. I had some of, I didn't have any Jeremy Grant. I played Sadiq Bay over him, but I mean, I didn't have many Pistons in my lineup outside of a anyway. Cameron Thomas had a great game. No, no one, no one. I mean, other than JBC, 
He wasn't even expected to start. And then he started. He was 8% owned. I probably should have gotten to some of them. Go down here, right? Alec Burks, right? Kemba started. So Burks wasn't as much of a play. I mean, he was okay. Go through anything down here that was, you know, significantly different. Right? You could have played Dalino Blanton, Banton, whatever, 19 points. I don't know what his ceiling was. I had some of them. Scroll down a bunch. Right. Some Joe Val. Like I didn't have any Joe Val. They were on sharp. Kobe for MVP. What's up with the, the Time Lord? Put up 25 points for 3,600. And then bam, not really anyone. Anyone played bam. Could even take a look. Can we sort by the points column? Yeah. But even if you sort by the points column, it's like, oh, Larry had a great game. Well, I mean, if you played Lowry and like, oh my God, I called it. It's like, well, not many, not many of the Sherpa's players uh, had much of Lowry or even Steph Curry, maybe a little bit. Like, bam, like nothing, like like across the board, barely anything. Steven Adams, oh yeah, right? Steven Adams, what a, what a game he had for 5,300, 44 points. He was 2.6% owned. But look, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0.7, 0, 0, 0.7, which is what? Two lineups? One line, it's one line in 150. 4%, Kobe for MVP at the most. This is why I, say, I always say, don't go by your results, go by the process. If you're like, well, I, pl- I, I won all the money and I had uh, Kyle Lowry and, and Steph Curry and Luca and Steven Adams and, and Cameron Thomas and something like, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm the best. Like, well, I don't know how repeatable your process is going to be when your lineups, like, like no, no sharp player. No one had anything to be close to that. That's typically more luck than skill. We've been once late out of a, a long a while, but probably going to lose money in the long run. So this is why using results DB and comparing, comparing yourself to, uh, to players that you respect, sharper players, top, top 50, top 100 ranked Roto-Grinders players. Going through the YouTube chat, Joe Adamo says process was good, but I ended up breaking even in my five cent GPP 150. Now that's good. Breaking even is a successful day in GPP. Okay. That's considered a successful day. That's that's a that's an upper 20, 20 percentile outcome. Breaking even. Right? Most of the time you're losing 20, 30%, 15%. That's a normal day. Right, that that's the normal. So breaking even is above normal. Profiting, you're going to profit maybe fifteen percent of the time, maybe ten percent of the time. But just comparing your lineups to other people, right? Comparing the ownership. Did you build lineups with the the your predicted ownership versus the actual ownership? And going here, it's like, well, I mean, I had Nito as underowned at 70%, and I had like like 90% of them. So what else am I gonna do? I probably should have I probably should have had more. The fact that he was only 58% of 
Right, that's where I could just look down here. Like KCP was 31% owned. I thought he would be 50. And he was still under owned at 50. So I probably should have had more of that. Booker, Booker I had had it like 36%. Giannis I had around 24. So it's around the same. Right. Kyrie, I had about 22, 24. A lot of the ownership looked very similar to what I had it. Blake was hard to figure out and whether or not people would play him. I had him at like six or eight percent owned, came in at 13. Jai had around here, yeah, around 12. Porter around eight. Diallo around 10. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm just coming through pretty much. I'd Randall less than eight and I barely got him. So if he was 8% owned, I may have gotten even less. I, I ended up with like, I think six out of 80 lineups with Randall at 6% ownership. At 8% ownership, maybe I've only wouldn't have gotten him in four lineups. Just going through. Not much late swap yesterday. I mean, really. Did anything, there was anything out of the ordinary other than Sengun not starting? I Sangoon in like originally in like almost 20% of my lines. And he ended up in like two. Because his project his minutes, minutes went down by three or four, and his projection goes down by three or four. But then I let just late swap a whole bunch of people in. And you don't get Sangoon anymore. Going through the YouTube chat. Jupocalypse says I could be wrong, but it just seems like looking at exposures without the context of the lineups isn't very useful. No, it, you're correct. It's better to look at the actual lineups. How leveraged were the lineups? Projection versus ownership. But this is a very broad-based overview of like, oh, I played a lot of this guy. Did a lot of sharper players play a lot or less of that guy? Like that, and that'll, that'll give you a hint on what their lineups look like anyway. Because I could go to anyone's lineups here. I can go to like a Chipotle addicts or something like that. Like we go to go here. Let's go to Chipotle addict. Uh, Chipotle. Make sure we just get him and go through some of his lineups. And I'm like, his lineups look pretty. This lineup looks a lot like the lineups I was making, other than the fact that I didn't play any Jeremy Grant. So like this lineup in and of itself: three Wizards, one Raptor, Luca. And then kind of fill it in, right? Just I didn't play Jeremy Grant. So I go to this one. This looks like very similar to mine. I mean, these are the types of lineups I was building. Nito, Kuzma, Bryant, one or two Raptors. I just didn't have a lot of Julius Randle. I had some right down here. Right? Very, very similar. I had, I had plenty of Blake. I just didn't have Jeremy Grant, but the lineup looks very, very similar. Of course, I played three Wizards. This is only two. I go here. Here's four Wizards, right? Here's Chris Paul, Trent, Luca. I didn't have any Jonathan Kuminga. But the lineup construction in and of itself looks very similar to the ones that I was building. Right? Three Wizards, one Raptor, I mean, we could go down to the bottom line of Salsa, right? Right, bottom, like lineups that didn't perform well, but still were constructed. Look, one, two, three Wizards, no Raptors. 
but still a Booker Giannis combo. Blake Griffin, of course, I didn't have Jeremy Grant. You go here. Right here's three wizards, four wizards, one one raptor. Three raptors, two wizards. There's four. Yeah, I mean, like these look very similar to mine. We could go to let's say go to a petty theft. Go to go to a bottom line. Go to a bat a lineup that didn't perform. I go. I look at this. Yeah, he plays. He plays a little bit more contrarian than I do, depending on the lineup. I don't know. I wasn't playing Jay Crowder. I wasn't playing Clay Thompson. Right, it's Steph Curry. But here's, here's still one, two, three Wizards, one Raptor. I mean, the core of the lineups look very, very similar. They're just two v twos, kind of off. Right here is Booker and Paul together, which I didn't do. Right, this uh, this looks like a lineup I would have played. Right, Nito, Pope, Kuzma, Siakam, Blake, Ananobi, two Raptors, Chris Paul, Jay Sean Tate. Right, when Sengun was ruled out, I threw him in. He was in a couple of lineups. Right. Take a look down. Yeah, I didn't play any Dayron Sharp. But the construction, the how the how the lineups look look very similar to the lineups that I was building. Right. I mean, the lineups are even even duplicated. Right. So you could you could go you could go and look at their individual lineups, but I could I could tell. I've been doing this long enough. And when things are bunched up like this, it's like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, everyone's playing this core of like, you know, a th three or four wizards, one or two raptors, and then then you have a stud, whether it be Luca, Giannis, or you know, Irving or one of these guys. And there you go. And then it's just that it ends up being a two v two. From there. It's easy. It's easy to see. I mean, I can look at the exposures, and it's e it's easier for me to just look at this. But yes, you should be looking at the actual lineups. And bot asks, is there a way to manually do this type of analysis for FanDuel? Uh, yeah, you go into the contest that you're playing. You have to go on FanDuel itself. So if you're playing whatever contest you're playing, if you're playing the large field contest, you have to go lineup by lineup. Go. I'm gonna I'm gonna look for lineups for from Brick Seventy Five or. E. Hafner, whoever the hell. And then look at their lineups one by one. FanDuel doesn't have CSVs to do this. So yeah, you have to do it manually. Or be really good at scraping the information. There are, there are people that scrape it. Uh, so you know, scrape it meaning you have to build your own little script and, you know, to go and pull the information off the screen. As Jubakalypse, you're right. Back to your statement yesterday of having similar, even the same exposures can still yield very different lineup constructions. Right. But a lot of times you'll just be 2v2. Like if you're like, oh, well, I had a, I had a lot of this guy and that guy and this guy, and I had less of that guy and that guy and that guy too, but I didn't get any of the lineups that they made. If I get similar lineups, they're just going to be like 2v2s. Right. And then if you see that you're building significantly different lineups and they end up being more than that, and you go, well, what was the projection of their lineup? What was the ownership of their lineup? And what was the projection of your lineup? What was the ownership of your lineup? Were, were your lineups projecting slightly poorer 
because you were playing a little bit too contrarian or were they projecting higher and you just weren't, you, you were playing too chalky. That could be one thing. You could look at this and you go, well, you know, Nito, Kuzma, Brian, Siakam, Luca, KCP, Booker. It's like you're naming a cash loan. And you're essentially naming the cash loan. Like on DK, if I were to play, if I was to play cash yesterday, I think the cash lineup was, was Nito. It was, was, was five. You were playing, you're, you're playing four. You're playing Nito, Kuzma, Bryant, KCP, uh, and Denny, Denny, Advija, whatever. And then Siakam, Luca, and Booker. I believe that was, that was the, the cash lineup. If you were to play a cash lineup. I mean, obviously there are ways to put in Blake or, you know, move around and you get to Trent or something. But if you were playing lineups like that, that was way too high owned. Like those combinations were a little too much, too little leverage for the large field group tests. But fine for cash, fine for even a single entry, smaller field thing. Yeah, Kid Cloud Clicker says or whatever, says he had to scrape, yeah. Do you ever able to scrape on Fandle without getting, uh, you know, dinged? Ding meaning that uh, the Fandle starts putting up the captcha and says you you've been you know there there are ways to there are ways to scrape where you're you're sending way too many HTTP requests to the server that they they tag you as a as a bot. So you have you have to you have to know what you're doing. I don't do it, but I mean I know I know how to do it. I probably don't. I don't do it well. I wouldn't be able to do it well, and I don't play enough on Fanduel that I care as much to do it. So that's NBA from yesterday. We got MMA, MMA tomorrow, big UFC slate, 15 fights. William Knight just weighed in this morning, 12 pounds over the limit. He missed weight by 12 pounds. And you know what they did? They said, okay, we're just going to fight this at heavyweight. So I don't know how those odds are going to have to move. This guy's going to be like 20 pounds heavier than he's going to be way heavier than Grisham tomorrow. I don't know how those odds are going to move but I have my sheet. This is a spreadsheet that I set up for MMA. Now, the purpose of this spreadsheet is it for me is, is a hack. Like I said, I don't, I don't try to do things the most precise. I try to do things as directionally accurate as possible. MMA is a very binary, okay? There's 15 fights, there's 30 fighters. Essentially, 99 plus percent of the time, you're looking at the highest six scores into your lineup that you could fit for the salary, right? The winners, right? A losing fighter rarely ends up being in the, the, the nut lineup. And you're, and when you're playing large field GPP, you're aiming for the nuts. This is more like showdown. You're aiming for the nuts. So it's very rare that a losing fighter is, and it typically it's because all the favorites have won. And a lot of the big favorites have scored heavy, a lot of points. And the, the highest scoring losing fighter, because there are no underdogs that won, ends up being like the, the guy that scores, you know, 62 in a loss for 7,300 ends up in the, in the optimal lineup. But that doesn't happen. That happen. That's more likely to happen on smaller slates. A nine-fight card, which is really small, 
yeah, then then a losing fighter. All the favorites win, and it's the highest price, the highest underdog, highest uh, scoring underdog is going to be in the optimal lineup. But on a 15 fight card, much less likely. And since it's binary, you could go very much by the betting lines for your DFS purposes. Like we look here at, at our lineup HU, we have like median projections, but like none of these guys are going to the, the stand the the standard deviation of these fighters are are ridiculous. Like no one scores these these numbers. Like it's very like by like by like a by binomial. They're either going to score, you know, somewhere between five and forty five or something like in that range, or like. 75 to 125 like it's like whatever we have okay now we're down to 14 fights the alex perez and matt schnell fight has been has been scratched i don't know why but it has been so now we're, we're down to 14 fights okay so what i do is like the whole essentially you're looking to score for the nut lineup the nut lineup on most lights is going to be over 600 points your aim is to, to, to average more 100-plus points from every fighter, okay, if you can, right, obviously. A hundred, like, the, the way the scoring is, is that a first-round victory, a stoppage in the first round, you know, TKO, KO, submission, whatever, is 90 points in the first round, 70 points in the second round, 45 points in the third round. And then in a five-round fight, it would be, 40 and 45 and 40 and 40 for fourth and fifth. But out of all these 14 fights, 13 are three round fights. And the main event is a five round fight. Uh, And then you also get obviously points for strikes and takedowns and all that type of stuff. Uh, But in order to score a hundred plus points, it's, it, it's very hard to score a hundred plus points in a decision. A decision win gets you 30 points. Okay. The types of fighters that could score very high in three-round fights in decisions are guys that either put up insane amount of striking volume or grapplers that could have, like, multiple takedowns and tons of control time and tons of, like, ground strikes and ground defense. So you have to weigh that in. That, that's part of the projection. So, they, so some of those types of guys may not have the best inside the distance or round one finishing odds. It's still score a lot of points, but for the most part, the inside the distance and round one odds correlate the highest to hundred plus point scores. Cause obviously the round one finish you're, you're getting 90, right? And if you get 90 with a knockdown, that's a hundred. There you go. You've said, so like these round one odds to hundred plus point scores, the R is like 0.9. Okay. It's very hard not to get a hundred points with a first round finish. I mean, you do see it because like, there's no knockdown, right? There's submission early, not many strikes and 96, right? Which is still fine, right? I'm still, still fine depending on the price. But inside the distance, it's, it's very, it's it, getting a stoppage gets you more points. So they're more correlated. Inside the distance, 200 plus point scores, the R is like 0. 0.65 or 0. 0.7. This is very, very high correlation. And winning is now obviously like winning to 100 plus point scores is not as correlative 
any hundred plus point scorer is going to be a win. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think of a time that a losing fighter scored a hundred points. It would have to be a five round fight. It would, I don't, I don't even know. But winning doesn't matter as much. Like as far as my weighting, as as far as uh, who do I play, uh, what do I rate them as? So just to explain that, because you could you could probably translate this to something like NASCAR or golf, maybe some esports, or maybe I don't know. Using the betting lines. So essentially, what I'm doing is going what what are the uh, what are the current betting lines on the fighter to win? Inside the di- win inside the distance and win in round one and compare that to ownership. Okay. And you can get all these types of odds. I get them from fightodds.io. Okay. Which gives you all these all these books across across the board. American legal books and as well as offshore books. Right. So you can see the current betting lines. These are the money line odds. But if you click on any one of these. Right. If I click on here, I'll get all the other prop bets that they have pulled. So, like, I use five dimes for all of my odds in here. Right. So, 280 for Adesanya, minus 280 plus 240 for Robert Whitaker. I haven't updated a lot of this. Right. So, where's Adesanya? Minus two set. Right. So, I put that in there. Then you could go and you could see inside the distance. Right. Adesanya wins inside distance, plus 165. Whitaker wins inside distance, plus 550. And you could also go down and see Adesanya wins in round one, plus 475. Whitaker wins in round one, plus 1500. So you could get all these, you could get all of these odds. And I update them every day, right? You could also pull, if you want to scrape and pull them into Excel, you could do that that way. I do it manually. So I pull this in, right? So Israel Adesanya, what was what was the number here for inside the distance? Plus 165. So it went up. Right. So I put in 165. And then I have a little little formula. You know, what's one, what's the implied probability of plus 165? It's 38%. Right. Right. You could use this formula. You could even look it up. You could look it up. But you can convert. You could convert any odds to, you know, just convert money line odds to probability. Minus 110 is 52%. 190 is 34%, right? That's what all these numbers are. Just converting American odds to a, to a probability. And then I'm comparing that to ownership. So our current RG ownership for like Ronnie Lawrence is plus 195 to win inside the distance, plus 500 to win in the first round. So he's a 17% shot, according to the, the betting market, of winning the first round, but it'll only be 13% owned. So that's positive leverage, right? That's why his rating is high, right? I look at Fabio Charant. His likelihood of winning is low, but he's going to provide massive leverage because he has a 24% chance of winning inside the distance. He has a 32% chance of winning the fight outright. 24% chance of winning inside the distance 15% chance of winning inside round one. His projected ownership is 6%. Heavy leverage, and especially true if Olberg is one of the more popular. His opponent may be 44% owned, which means if he does win in the first round, he's going to not, he's going to be, he's going to be optimal. 
at his price down at 70, 7,300. And he's going to knock out almost half the half based on this projected ownership, half the other lineups in the entire contest. And that's why his score, his rating is so high. Does that mean I think he's going to win? No, that's not, that's not what these numbers mean. These, these are kind of expected value slash leverage numbers. That based on 6% ownership, Fabio Charant is the highest in a vacuum expected value player fighter on the entire slate. He's a small chance of, of realizing that, but he shouldn't be 6% owned. If we bumped him up to, let's say, 10% owned, he goes significantly down. Right now he's at one point, like he still rates well. But nowhere near before. That's a di- difference of only 4%. So 6%. Let's say he ends up being 12% owned. Well, now he's just like, he's there. He's okay. Right? So it's ve- these, especially on these lower fighters, getting the ownership, get projecting the ownership well is, is, is paramount. If you're going to play this type of exploitative stock. Right, and that's why that's why I have multiple columns. I get I get ownership and projection from multiple sources, and I average them out. And sometimes I even change them from there. So I'll go like, no, he's not. The, one side will have this, and another side will have that, and then I'll be like that. It's, it's going to be somewhere. I listen to shows, and I'll go, go. You know, this guy's going to be way more owned, or that guy's going to be way less owned. Like we have Andre Orlovsky at nine percent currently. Is that going to be correct? He like he never. I mean he. He rarely finishes inside the distance. Maybe he'll end up being 7% owned and not 9 But that'll bump him up a lot. So that's what I do with this sheet. So I, it allows me to get this rating. And this is essentially a leverage rating. It'll, it helps me build lineups. Because let's say, you know, a guy that projects well, that, that you know, it, I mean, we take a look here at uh, someone that's going to be popular and rightfully so, or something like, like uh, not Derek Lewis, like, well, even like Olberg. He's going to be 44% owned, but he, it's not like he rates bad. He probably should be close to, I mean, if he ends up being, let's say, 34% owned, his value goes up. But like someone like Ronnie Lawrence. Like, if I play Ronnie Lawrence and Sharon, like, I could play all of the highest leverage fighters on the slate, and I'll have, that lineup will probably be unique. Because I'm playing such low-owned players. A 13% owned guy with a 6% owned guy with another 6% owned guy. And then I'm just jamming in the best players. So then I'm just jamming in the best from that point. It allows me to build lines. So I, I could show you what I, what, I, what I would do with these numbers. Once I have the rating... Here is that I export, download as a CSV. I'll open that up. I'll change the ratings column. Once this opens up, I change the ratings column to be called FPTS, right? Which is what Lineup HQ will recognize as fantasy points, right? So I'll go into the MMA right here. I'll upload that sheet, that CSV. 
I'll call it, you know, February, what, what slate is this? February 12th, right? There's no De Silva de Andrade. What happened to him? Is his official name changed to the changes? De Silva de Andrade. What does it look like in the, okay, hold on. No, I, I got it right. I'll just change that manually. Okay, so let, let me put this in. Now I'm getting problems. Let's reload this. I'm just doing this as an example because obviously a lot of these odds and everything are going to change anyway. I mean, I haven't up I've I haven't even updated some of these betting odds in two days. But now we're just loading. Okay, let's try this again. All right, just go here, grab this. I'll just call it my uh, whatever. No, who cares? We'll we'll, we'll change this thing manually. So what's D Silva de Andrade 0.79? Okay, let me go to where is he? Hide unprojected 0.79. Where did where'd he go? Or is he excluded? Okay, so put 0 0.79. There we go. Okay. So now that I have all of those rating numbers in there, which factors in ownership. So the best lineup that I can make, like if I were to build lineups and not have, not have the same play, you know, the two play, two fighters from the same line in, in the same fight in the same lineup. If I were to produce, you know, five lineups, whatever. The highest leverage lineup would be this line. Right, because it's there. It, uh, what what does a, an optimizer do? What does lineup HQ do? It solves the knapsack problem for that fantasy points column. How do I jam in as much of that column's number as I can into one lineup? So based on this, the highest leverage lineup I could play is Ty Tuivasa, Malcoon, Wells, Lawrence, Grishin, Geront, and. Still includes a high, uh, a fairly decently owned player in here, right? Because it's already factored into the number. Is this the best lineup? No, this is an extremely high variance lineup. Look, you're playing, <laughs> you're playing, uh, you know, a, a, a big underdog, you know, big underdogs and guys that are have less likely chance of finishing, but it's still higher than their their ownership. But like when I see eights, like these are high, high leverage lineups. Because if you were to build, I mean, for their price, I mean, if you take a look at this sheet, like I would get so much, Charant, I would get Charant in 100% of my lineups because he provides so much relative value at 6% ownership. Do I want 100% of them? No. Do I even want them in my single entry lineup? No. All these numbers do is allow you to make sure you're building lineups 
that have the proper amount of leverage. What you also could do, like let's say I open this up. Uh, let me open up. I'm going to re... I'm going to... Okay, hold on. I need to figure out where this De Silva de Andrage doesn't, doesn't line up correctly. Let's see. Players for this slave for okay. Let's let's take what what is this actual downloading the the, the slate file. Just Silva de Andrage? Is that it? Do I put the D in front of it? What the hell? It Douglas Silva. Okay, so I have to put the whole name. Okay. That's what that's what's in the slate file. So let me go over and do that. Put this in here so we could at least get him. Douglas Silva de Andrage. Okay, what I'm gonna do now, I'm gonna download this again as a CSV. What I'm going to do is that I'm also, okay, so this rating column, you can't see it. So I'm, I'm going to change the rating column to FPTS, but I'm also going to copy it. Okay, I'm going to copy that into another column, paste, and I'm going to call that column PRO, projected ownership. Okay, so PRO, PROJ underscore own is what we use. So I'm going to save the basically so I could get them into both columns. I'm going to upload this again. I'm going to, you know, just whatever, February 12th. I'm going to use this. So now we'll be able to see fantasy points and projected ownership as the same. Because now your fantasy points, we, we have no build rules for. Projected ownership, we do. So remember, when we built those highly leveraged lineups, eight point, you know, they have a total combined of eight. Well, what happens if we don't want the highest leverage lineups? What happens if we could now use minimum and maximum lineup total ownership? So let's say, let's say you're building 150, for instance. Number of unique players, one. You just, whatever. Salary, who gives a crap, right? Doesn't matter. 47,000, whatever. Doesn't matter. So I'm going to build 150 lineups. I'm going to tell you that Fabio Charant is going to be in like all of them. He's going to be in 150 of these lineups. Because he just at that price, at that rate, he's the highest rated fighter for his, for his ownership. Currently, as of right now. Right, see, yeah, here you go, Charant. Right? So fantasy points is the leverage score. So 803, right? You can see the ownership here. So we can go any direction we want. The lowest is 7.77. So you can play a hundred lineups with a hell of a lot of a hell of a lot of leverage. You don't have to, but you could still make unique lineups that don't that don't have these. I mean, like like total salary. What's the lowest salary we have here? 48.4. But these are high variance lineups. 
But let's say you don't want to, you don't want to make all your lineups like with, with Fabio Chiron, Grisham, Lawrence, like you're not going to have so much of this stuff. So let's say you want to curtail that. Maximum total lineup ownership, seven. Right, minimum minimum six. Right, can, can we even go lower than, probably, probably for good, six is a little too low. Probably six and a half, maybe. Based on all these ratings. The six is going to be average, right? Because that's one point per. I guess we could do do no six min. No, it's got to be higher than six. So let's say let's say six and a half to seven and a half, right? And then build 150 lineups. So now that we're using that column also to give us some type of range, this is one way of doing it. That we're not using ownership sum because remember ownership is already factored into that rating score. We don't need that anymore. We just need it to build lineups that make sense together. 7.5, right? This is a still is a very contrarian lineup. Lawrence, Christian, Sharon, Tuvasa, wrote, yeah, this, this is still, these are still very contrarian lineups. Right, go down, yeah, seven point, look, in 150 lineups, like you don't, you don't, obviously there's only one unique player. So, I mean, you could, Switching, switching in and out of a lot. Like, look how many lineups you can make that have very similar, similar scores. Right, 7.5. So, like, you could go even further down than this. So, let's take a look at lineups between six and six and a half and seven. As you see, like, now Charant is going to come down. Because Charant lineups have all these, all the leverage you could possibly need that it's trying to jam in as much as, as much as everything else that, that it can. So lineups with like eight, an eight total rating. Maybe you can play some of those lineups that they're very contrary. So here we go. Now we're getting all the Alex for now, because now we could afford to spend up, even though Alex Perez is no longer on the slate anymore. Once we go down to seven, see, now we're getting some of the lower, yeah, now, now, now it's matching it. Right. So this lineup, even though it's less total, like assuming that this fight was on, obviously. Like Grishin, like Grishin's not going to be owned. Grishin's going to be like 10% owned. Ronnie Lawrence is going to be 10, uh, 15% owned. Wells is going to be 40 to 35% owned. Cannoneer's going to be in the 20s. Alexander Hernandez will be, uh, you know, whatever. What's Alex Hernandez? 19%. Matt Schnell is eight. Like, these are still very, very, these are still contrarian lineups. But now, now you're fitting them all together. Now you don't have to worry about individual people. Right? Just like, give me lineups. Look, this lineup is Whitaker, Hernandez, Orlovsky, O'Neill, Lawrence, Charant. Right? Like, these two lineups next to each other, from a leverage perspective, are the same. And they, they have, they, 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 it's a 5v5, right? This is a 5v5? Yeah, no, two uh, four v 4 because Hernandez and Lawrence are in this lineup. Hernandez and Lawrence are in that lineup. A 4v4 with two lineups that have this, the same leverage in it. Overall. So look, Robert Whitaker comes, at, comes in at 31% of lineups, even though he has one of the lowest leverage scores. But the whole lineup with him is fine. 
right? If we take a look at this lineup, Whitaker, Hernandez, Orlovsky, O'Neal, Lawrence, Sharon. If you play this lineup, this most likely this lineup will be a unique lineup. 49-1 lineup like this for tomorrow with Orlovsky. I mean, look, I mean, you got guys that, that like a single-digit own. Orlovsky and Sharon in the lineup? Lawrence is not going to be under 20% down in the high range. Like this lineup is, is heavily contrary at se- at seven total. And we were looking at lineups at 7.75, eight. This line in and of itself is, is plenty, plenty leveraged to be, to be, and most likely be a unique lineup. Do you play this lineup? I don't know. I'm just for, for UFC, for these large field contests, I'm looking to play as many unique lineups as possible that are reasonable. This is a reasonable lineup. I mean, but it's it's very contrary. But I'm utilizing the betting odds against the ownership to come out. And then obviously I'm also waiting the projection. I'm waiting things. You don't know how I'm waiting them. I can't give you that because then you'll come up with the exact numbers that I have. And if you could come up with the exact numbers that I have, you're gonna end up making the exact you're gonna make close to the exact numbers that I have, which means you're gonna make lineups that aren't unique anymore because. They're shared with me, right? That's the main reason I can't give you the exact number, right? You can be close, right? You could definitely see, oh, well, this guy's a 24% chance of winning inside the distance. He's only going to be 6% owned. I'm going to play a lot of them. That's perfectly fine. But how to get these exact numbers? I can't, I can't tell you. Not that, not that they're, they're secret sauce. Oh, my God. They're the best. They're not the best. They're just, it's, it, I don't want you to have the exact numbers I do. Even if you're off by by five percent, it may result in uh, if you made 150 lineups and I make 150 lineups with a little bit a little bit of you know tinkering that out of my 150 and your 150, maybe we only share 10 or 15 lineups that are duped, and and those lineups are probably duped under five anyway. So I don't mind splitting with you. But if you knew the exact numbers, then we sometimes we could land on the exact. I could build 150, you could build 150, and we share like 80 lineups between us. That's the reason, not because it's like secret calculations or like it's it's not precise. Remember, I don't look to be precise. So this is what I do to build build MMA lineups. You could probably do this to build PGA lineups also. Compare the odds of something that is highly correlated to high scores, right? In golf, it would be like a top five finish or something. Compare that versus ownership. <clears throat> see who the delta between the two, right? Why does I, why is Israel and now, now these five round fights are a little bit different because they could score a little bit higher than normal. But you take a look here; it's like Bobby Green. Bobby Green's going to be twenty percent owned, and he's he only has a twenty two percent chance of winning inside the distance. Bobby Green, other than his last fight, <clears throat> hasn't had a stoppage in like ten years. So his, his odds of, ch- of winning in the first round is 13%. But if he's going to be 20% owned, why the hell am I playing a lot of them? AJ Dobson has a great shot of winning inside, you know, inside the distance 40%, but he's going to be 37% owned. <coughs> so he's going to be chalky. Rightfully so. He's the, he's the cheapest guy with the highest inside the distance. One fit plus 150 for 40%. Makes sense but he's going to be 37% owned. If he was 20% owned, I'd have a ton of them. Look, but change 37 to 17, right? 120, yeah, I'd have way more of them. 
right? And if 37 was 47, I'd have way less of them just based on that. But it doesn't mean I can't play Dobson in lineups. Just that Dobson could appear in lineups that have like Charant in it, right? If I'm playing, if I'm, if I'm playing Adesanya, Olberg, Olberg, well, obviously I'm not playing Olberg and Charant together, right? If I'm playing Derek Lewis, you know, if I'm playing Chalk in my lineup, then I'm going to need someone like Fabio Charant in that type of lineup. So what this does is just basically hack, hack the system. So I, I'm able to now use an optimizer on that number that already factors in ownership. So I don't need ownership sum. I don't need ownership product. I don't need to care about any of that. I don't have to care about salaries even, right? If a lineup is like, you know, here's a 50,000, let, let's take a look at some low lineups, low salary lineups. Here's a, here's a lineup that, that leaves 3,000 on the table that has about the same leverage of anything else. Most likely going to be unique, right? It's 47.5. Now, on large slates like this with very heavy, there's a lot of heavy favorites. I'm less likely to leave that much money on the table, but you could. You will be unique. Just that, like, from, from 9,600 down to, like, this range, these guys, are, look, look at their win probabilities. So, most likely, most likely you're going to need, like, probably two people from this top range. <coughs> and you could tell by, by the, the ratings that are up here. So this is one this is one way to, to, to hack a tool like lineup HQ to, to get it to do what you want. Isn't that the theme that I always say? Don't let the, the, the optimizer is going to tell you what to do. You tell it what to do. It is a tool. It is a calculator. It is you know a little little workbench with hammers and you're building something. So all these settings and everything, use them to whatever advantage you want to use them. However, it helps you build the lineups that you want to build. Right? It's like J.G. Wentworth. It's your money. Use it how you 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 want it or whatever. <laughs> whatever he says. You, you could use it any way you want it or whatever it is. So I just wanted to show you that, that process, which you could, probably, you could probably do in other sports that are more binary, that don't rely on like correlation or your teams and like basketball. I don't know how, how effective this would be. It's the same type of concept of like, what are the chances of this guy going for 60 plus points or whatever, or 8x his salary percentage? Then what is their ownership? And then calculate from there. I mean, you could. Similar concept. I mean, that, that's the types of concepts I talk about. The theory of daily fantasy sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. But all, I'm, I'm doing with this sheet and with this lineup HQ, the exact concepts that, that this, is, this is game theory. This is how to, how to build liners with higher expected value, that, that, that the fighters, that the lineups as a whole have a higher probability of scoring X amount of not score than what they'll be owned. That's, that's it. Just like flipping a coin and getting three to one odds. Sure, I, I don't care. Heads, tails, whatever. I just, I want to keep on making those types of bets. And then being able to scale that up to build 150 lines like that. Well, that's what I do with my, my MMA odd sheet. So you may find it in, 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 an intuitive or inventive way of doing that type of thing yourself. 
that may not be precise, but be directionally accurate. So if you want to learn those types of concepts and more, theoryofdfs.com. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll go over stuff uh, on Monday. James will be back. We only got a couple of NBA games before the, the All-Star break, right? If you saw, if you saw the, the drafting, no one wanted to draft James Harden. <laughs> no one wanted Durant, didn't want to draft James Harden. Uh, that, that was a little bit funny, but uh, give me those thumbs ups on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs, subscribe buttons, notification bells. Uh, we got Grinders Live coming up later today around 5, 445, I think, something like that. Uh, it'll be on the YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell. It'll, it'll let you know whenever the time is. We got crunch time for premium members. Oh, we got MMA content also, right? So if you're a premium uh, subscriber, you got the, the Blenders Game Theory channel inside the Discord I, where, where I can answer it. Any more questions that you'd, you'd like to ask? We also do group coaching calls. We'll be doing two during the All-Star break, one on the 18th and one on the 23rd or 22nd, something like that. Uh, so join Roto Grinders Premium, rotogrinders.com slash premium. Click on the link in the description for $10 off your first month. And uh, have a good weekend. And don't dupe me in, in, in UFC tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I hope you, I hope you got, got a lot out of this. And I'll, I'll, I'll be back answering your DFS strategy questions, as I always do, next week. On the DFS pregame show on Roto Grinders. Dot com.